0: Make it
1: plain Make it kind. M.I.P With my smell of
0: Mark Thompson Make it kind. Get woke
1: God bless you, get woke Folks, MIP is now COVID free, meaning free to all subscribers as we navigate this pandemic. We're thinking about everyone and we've got to get through this together. So for a limited time, no fee to subscribe to make it plain on your favorite podcast app. Ladies and gentlemen, one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, you all know that and we always have a great time when we're on the air. She said early on in 2017, get ready for impeachment and that became <laughs> a greeting that it went viral and it happened. She was absolutely right. He said, she even said he would lead us to impeachment. And that's that's precisely what she did. So she is a prophet in that (laughs) regard. And we would do well to hear from her about this ticket. And she's also a Californian where the running mate comes from, the chair of the Financial Services Committee, one of the committees Donald Trump most fears, (laughs) Congresswoman (laughs) Maxine Waters.
2: Thank you so much, Mark. Very generous introduction, and I'm delighted and excited to be with you today because you know uh, we have just experienced uh, a historic moment uh, in the history of this country uh, with the selection by uh, the nominee of the Democratic Party uh, for his vice president, uh, Kamala Harris, and so this is uh, this is an important time and an important day, and for me. It's a moment of appreciation and joy uh, because this pandemic uh, is devastating. And uh, all of what we're trying to do in Washington, DC, has not worked uh, as well as we would like it to. And we're in the midst of negotiating the HEROES Act, where we're trying to get more resources out to our children and our families. And we're running up against the Republican Party, and they simply do not care. And so this is a moment of kind of relief uh, and joy, and uh, I'm I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy uh, that the selection was made. Uh, you're talking about the prediction of the impeachment. I predicted Kamala Harris also.
1: You did. You sure did. You yes. Know, honestly, there you are a pioneer and um, really a, a groundbreaker yourself in politics for African-Americans, African-American women, women, and in California, if not for some of the groundbreaking accomplishments that you made happen in that state. In other words, if there was no Maxine Waters, as far as I'm concerned, there would be no Kamala Harris. She's a a beneficiary of glass ceilings that you broke in your political career.
2: Well, you know, I have been very fortunate Uh, I did. I went to the California State Assembly where I joined up with Willie Brown and some other very progressive strong leaders and I became a Democratic uh, chair at one point, Democratic whip at one point, and I was able to, you know, get some landmark legislation uh, divesting uh, our pension funds from doing business in South Africa and joining with the ANC and bringing Nelson Mandela to California Uh, That was historic. Also, uh, I had legislation that opened up affirmative action so that I brought in asset managers, African-Americans from across the country and got them involved in what I called an emerging uh, campaign uh, that I put together so that they could begin to manage some of these huge funds that we had in our Public Employees Pension Fund, and in the Teachers Retirement Fund. And many of them uh, became very wealthy. They were able to hire other people and to help to create wealth uh, in our communities. I also did uh, police reform. Uh, I challenged Darrell Gates. Uh, I organized women, we marched on them. Uh, The first case that we had was a woman named Eula Love. That's right. We shot down on her front porch. Uh, in front of her daughters, uh, where the police came out to enforce uh, the local gas company because she could not pay her bill and they wanted to cut off her gas. And I thought that was so outrageous. My heart was so broken uh, by what happened to her. I started organizing then, uh, challenged Daryl Gates, and I've been working on police reform one way or the other, uh, you know, up through Rodney King. When I tried to explain to the world uh, that many of the women who are out there, some of whom were, you know, trying to get food and trying to get shoes, I said, these are not criminals. Uh, These are people who have been dropped off America's agenda. And so, yes, I have been a party to and involved with others who always had a progressive agenda and who always was willing to be confrontational and, and and basically take the consequences of that and understand who we were and just keep moving uh, and keep struggling and fighting. And I am so proud to live at this time to see the protests that hit the street after George Floyd. It was a coming together of the old people and the young folks and, you know, the. Blacks and Latinos and Asians and Muslims and, uh, you know, Baptists and Catholic and Jews and all of that, because this moment of, uh, of George Floyd having lost his life uh, at the knee of a police officer and the world could see so plainly, the abuse of that, uh, the outrages of that, really did put them into action. And that's what I think is happening to this country now. Uh, Change is taking place. And I can't leave Black Lives Matter out of that uh, because they are part of all of this and the way that they have emerged and the way that they have worked. So I'm delighted uh, to witness uh, what is going on. I'm delighted to be a party to it. And I'm looking forward to a strong campaign uh, with Kamala and with Biden. And I think for any mistakes, that they have made in their past, that's over with. But I think for many people that we've worked with for years who have not done the right thing, not said the right thing, and whether we're talking about biting or the Congressional Black Caucus and the crime bill, you'll never see that happen again. Change is taking place. Mm. And I think we go forward on a progressive agenda and leave behind us those who are so traditional. And those who were trying to work in ways uh, that would get the support that they needed in order to try and have these careers. I think that's over with. And I think that we are going to see progress.
1: Hmm. That's a that's a powerful statement and a powerful prediction. And, and since you brought it up the crime bill, you know, obviously the Trump administration and campaign have an agenda to target black men um, and to turn black men off. So they're going to bring up the crime bill. Um, they are going to bring up Kamala Harris's history as a prosecutor, which, frankly, when you examine it, is, is not the worst record of all. Uh, people make a big deal out of things that really didn't happen. But, but what is, tell us a bit more about your feelings about that. Do you think that voters on our side um, and those we need to win over are of a frame of mind that? whatever their feelings about those past issues are and were, that they really are ready to move on and prioritize getting rid of Trump?
2: I really do. And I really do think that Trump has defined himself. He's a racist, Uh, he's a liar. Uh, he's a deceptive human being, he's a divider. All of the worst things uh, that you could see in any human being, he is a flawed character, and that's uh, undeniable. And I think people kind of see that, even the people that support him, they know uh, who this man is. But for those who voted for the crime bill, uh, and he can come up with all of the legislation that he would like to Put out there uh, to talk about being tough on crime. The same people, many of them who voted for the crime bill, they'll never do that kind of thing again. Change has taken place and it will continue to take place. I'm extremely optimistic, not only legislators, but people out there, the voters, you know, in various communities. I think that they've been touched uh, by what they have seen. And I want to tell you, The video that I saw uh, that showed us more about what happened with George Floyd even before the knee was on his neck and the way he was pulled out of his car, the way he was crying, the way he was begging, the way he called on his mom, the, the way he knew that he was going to get killed, that he was going to die, it has shaken us to our very core. And I do think that change is taking place by many of the people who never thought uh, that they would be supporting police reform, for example, pay equality, talking about openly racism. You remember when the press couldn't even use the word racism and right. didn't use it? So I'm, I'm feeling extraordinarily optimistic and I don't care what Trump comes with. Uh, I believe that we're gonna defeat him And I I believe uh, that when we take a look at what is happening up in New York with that Southern District, uh, that they have the goods on him. And that, uh, you know, I do believe that when he is not reelected, that he could be criminally charged uh, uh, with uh, the crimes that he's committed and that he could go to jail.
1: Do you have, since you brought him losing and, and getting kicked out of office, do you have any concerns that he is not going to leave, that he's going to try not, and <laughs> that he's gonna to have to be carried out of the White House?
2: I do. I have some concerns because he is doing several things now. First of all, he retweeted something where somebody tweeted uh, that there may be a civil war uh, if he is not uh, uh, re- reelected, and he retweeted that, which yeah. means that he's buying into that. Uh, secondly, um i believe that he has shown us that he's willing to do the unthinkable as he tries to have his way and to win on the issues that he cares about we never thought that we would have a president that would openly embrace putin and russia uh, given the history of russia we never thought we would see a president who would not only embrace of Putin and Russia but would defend them and would not speak out against them even though they knew that they knew that he had undermined our democracy. I want to tell you you know to the left and the right you know people stand up uh, for the democracy for the most part and to have a foreign entity that hacks its way into your democratic party and even your republican party and who now is known to be interfering with our election, and you still cannot condemn them, and you stand up. We never thought we would witness anything like that. And then, of course, he's shown us uh, that he loves uh, the kind of power uh, that a, a dictator uh, exhibits, and a dictator uh, has, uh, for example, he loves Kim Jong Un because he's in total control, and he likes the idea of him being the commander in chief, controlling the military, and he wanted a parade with all of the machinery and the equipment and the tanks and everything, you know, in Washington D.C. and then, you know, in uh, you know attacking our protesters. Uh, He rolls out with the military beside him, you know, basically gassing, you know, our, you know, yeah. So I do believe that he may try it, that he may try uh, because he's already saying that the elections of Democrats are gonna have a fraudulent election, uh, Mm -hmm. that all of these absentee ballots are gonna be fraudulent. And so he's giving us some uh, indications Uh, of what he's capable of. And I wouldn't be surprised that he has to be taken out.
1: The senators on the Senate Intelligence Committee who were asking for information, they've learned recently to be declassified about what Russia is doing now for the 2020 election. Remind me of you uh, in 2016, after you all had that classified uh, briefing with James (laughs) Comey. And you said, I can't talk about it let me just say the FBI director has no credibility. That's right. It was, That's right. it was clear because obviously we learned later what you knew early yes. that he was not announcing to the public what Russia was doing and that he was investigating, That's right. but he was only, in, he announced to the public that he was investigating Hillary Clinton. So when I, I hear them say that, it yes. reminds me of, of your, the concerns you raise and we ought to be concerned about it. But Back to Kamala Harris, you predicted she would be the nominee. Yes. Why is she the best nominee Joe Biden could have chosen?
2: Well, you know, I do believe that, um, you know, arriving to the point where you will possibly be on the national stage of this country is a big moment. Uh, And so much is going on Uh, that you have to understand, that you have to manage. And so I think that it really does take some experience to do that. It takes you having gone through, you know, the tough times and the good times and the bad times and the unknown times and all of that. She ran in the state of California, was reelected twice. This is a big state and it's a diverse state. And in order to do that and to be successful at that, you have to know kind of what you're doing and understand uh, how to deal with diversity, et cetera. Uh, in addition to that, she was elected uh, to the uh, United States Senate, and she came upon the scene well prepared as a prosecutor. She was able to grill down and her you know efforts to get those witnesses uh, to reveal you know really what was on their minds and what they had done and you know you know take apart what they were saying and that was extraordinarily impressive but the other thing is this for an african-american woman uh, to choose you know the career that she chose uh, was unusual we were not choosing careers as prosecutors as uh, you know district attorneys and attorney generals that was basically the domain of white men uh, mm-hmm. doing that and we've had a lot of problems in that area getting justice uh, because of the way that they have managed uh, to keep us out of uh, being treated fairly and so she comes from that uh, you know jumps into and get elected to the united states senate uh, demonstrates her capability and her competence you know sitting on that judiciary committee But then she said, and I'm running for president of the United States of America. And that takes a lot of confidence. And so in running, she rolled out with a huge campaign uh, with all of what, 20,000 people or more showing up at her announcement in her hometown, which looked extraordinarily well. And she moved on and she learned a lot. She learned that as you move across this country, running for president of the United States, you've got to have a lot of money. You've got to have a lot of resources. You've got to have a lot of support. And so her campaign ended, but she learned an awful lot in that experience. Who else that was being considered had that combination of experiences to their credit? none of them had and even those who pointed to things they didn't like about her they had to conclude that yes she had the experience she certainly you know was intelligent and competent and so she in my mind uh was going to be the one that would be picked and a lot of people say well you know how she attacked biden uh and how she uh you know made a lot of people unhappy and certainly he uh, you know, is unhappy and he'll never forget that. I never believe that. Mm. I never believe that. Mm. Uh, because once you run for president, uh, you have to forgive, uh, you have to forget some things, you have to do what is in the best interest of your becoming president and what you think is in the best interest of this country. So I always thought that she was number one in the consideration.
1: And Chris Dodd kind of telegraphed that with his statements. I believe, his statement made it inevitable because you can't have a presidential nominee appear to not pick a qualified woman because someone on his team said she's too ambitious. Yeah. Oh, oh. oh. I mean, that was a gift. He should have just been quiet. But when you pick <laughs> something like that, Congresswoman, and you don't pick that person, it leaves that bad taste in everyone's mouth. Well, did you not pick her because a white man said she wasn't ambitious?
2: And the thing about this is, um, first of all, women have not thought to be um, someone uh, that should be looked at as ambitious. That was for the men in this country and in this world, traditionally, uh, to be an outspoken, Uh, confrontational, ambitious is just what we're coming into. You know what I mean? And so I was raised with a confrontational mama. I was raised with confrontational sisters and brothers. I was raised with 12 sisters and brothers and we were always confrontational with each other. We said what was on our mind and when we had to fight, we did that. And so for me, uh, it was natural, but that was not natural for women, period. And certainly not an African-American woman. And to charge you with being too ambitious really didn't sit well with the women in this country because we've come to the point now where we know and understand uh, that because we are viewed in certain ways, that has limited our ability uh, to achieve success. And so we're beyond accepting that now. And women spoke up right away.
1: Yeah, and you would think people would get that because you were not beloved for being quiet. You know, you are beloved <laughs> for being ambitious and speaking truth to power. So yeah. your race, talk yes. to us about your race. Well, folks, we need to be prepared to help Congresswoman Waters too. Don't take anything for granted.
2: Yeah, let's not take anything for granted. You know, in this last reapportionment from our race, uh, the district is quite different. Uh, we have 22% Blacks, we have about 46% Latino, and the rest is a combination of white and Asian. I think our Asian population is about 15%, and the rest is white. And so we have a conservative element in our district. I've been able to change some of that, uh, and I've been able uh, to try and deal with some of the issues to bring people around but i want you to know because of uh, the way that i handle my politics it still rubs some as uh, you know too liberal or too progressive uh too confrontational etc and so uh, you know the republicans have picked up on that and so they've tried twice uh they brought in someone uh, to run against me who was inept and incompetent, but the last one that ran against me, they raised a million dollars for him. Uh, he was absolutely more, uh, more than inept and incompetent. Uh, I think that, uh, uh, you know, his, his, his uh, mentality could be a question, uh, mm-hmm. you know, his, uh, his brain uh, cells could be questioned, what have you. And so he ended up in jail, uh, you know, doing the primary and he ended up in jail uh, in San Francisco doing time, and the judge wouldn't even let him out on bail, et cetera. So, another black man entered the race that they put in uh, to the race. I don't know how and exactly this group came together, but now this man they have raised $3 million for. Mm. And he out the previous opposition, uh, the one that had been in jail. And so now he's in the district with all of this money. Uh, he's putting up billboards, he's buying time on CNN, Uh, he has yard signs and he is not saying I am a Trump Republican but he loves Trump and um, he is a Trump Republican and so he's putting up billboards with his name on it uh, but it doesn't identify that he is a Republican and so Uh, He's hoping that people will just buy into uh, the fact that a black man is running, and oftentimes people don't know the numbers in the district, Uh, if he says 43rd, uh, but they they will learn a lot about that, and we will help them to learn, Uh, but we cannot take this for granted. We have to have a big turnout. Uh, with our Blacks and Latinos in particular, and with the growing number of Asians uh, because of travel ban and a lot of other things that they've learned about this president are now turning toward the Democratic Party. And I think that I have been able uh, to work even with some of the chambers of commerce. And I think that after they evaluate all of what they're going to throw at me, I'm hopeful. Uh, that I will be able to overcome that. But it's gonna take resources, and it's gonna take organization, and it's going to take real involvement of uh, a lot of people who care about this district and the fact that they would never want it to be uh, turned over to someone uh, like this man, Joe Collins, uh, who has been supported uh, by the Republican Party.
1: So forgive my ignorance, the primary has already happened.
2: Yes, we have the primaries is has happened. And so I'm running in, in California. Uh, right. We have a, a, a primary where the, whoever the two top winners are. Right, That's right. They could be both Democrats, they could be both Republicans, they could be either are, and we run off against each other. And that's what's happening now, me a Democrat, and he's a Republican, we're the two top vote getters. And so um, we're running off against each other.
1: Um, where can people log on to make contributions to your campaign Uh,
2: at this time um, we're just really getting organized we're moving our district office and we're opening up our uh, campaign office uh, within two weeks and so i would like them uh, to take this number 213-351-0028 that is citizens for waters campaign number that people can call and we can get them involved as our campaign gets organized.
1: Thank you. I guess I'd be remiss. You and I developed our close relationship vis-a-vis Selma. We've not talked since John Lewis passed. And, um, you know, we have had some wonderful times even with him in Selma. I know you miss him as much as I will when we go to Selma every year.
2: Absolutely, and I was thinking about that, and I was hoping that we would have an opportunity to talk about that because we have always understood the importance of Selma and the Edmund Pettus Bridge and uh, what happened on that bridge. And so long before many of the folks who, uh, you know, learned lately and maybe have shown up, you know, at maybe one or at the 50th anniversary of the walk across the bridge. Uh, We've known and we've involved ourselves with the people. uh, And that's so very important uh, because that represents the struggle, the struggle that John Lewis and others were involved in and the sacrifices that they were willing to make for civil rights and voter rights. And so John Lewis um, sacrificed uh, for, you know, uh, the ability to get legislation and the law passed for voting rights. He took a beating. He took more than one beating. Uh, He took being jailed, but he never stopped. He never gave up. This was his life. And so he was elected um, uh, to come to Congress. And, you know, he has been very special in Congress. And he's treated very special, with high respect. And when he spoke uh, the room was quiet because they knew that he had something special to say, and everybody wanted to hear uh, what he had to say. And so, not only did he have, uh, you know, great respect uh, from both uh, the House of Representatives and the United States Senate, but even right-wing conservative Republicans knew that there was something special about him. They knew his history. They knew what he had sacrificed, and so. Uh, I want to tell you, you know, when he passed, it was huge. It was a moment in history when so many people were saddened that they wished uh, to give the kind of condolences uh, that were heartfelt and that others could feel. And so I've never seen the press as generous as it was. And for as long as it was, all of the majors, all of the locals, all of the print media all of the you know televisions i mean they gave him his due and i was so proud of that and even now you know people are talking about changing the name of the bridge to sure. the john Lewis bridge and i think so many people would like that to happen and i since i'm always predicting i'm going to predict <laughs> that that will happen
1: <laughs> Folks, she is she predicted impeachment she predicted kamala harris would be the nominee, the running mate. She's predicted that Trump (laughs) is going to leave. He will be (laughs) done. And she's predicted the renaming of the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Now, she hasn't been wrong so far. So we can trust and believe in our auntie Maxine, and our our own hero. We love you uh, always. And you look great, too, by the way.
2: Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much. And I want to give you my campaign website. Please. it is Maxine Waters for Congress Very simple. Maxine Waters for Congress.com. That's our website. And thank you for, you know, your generosity. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for what you do every day and what you have done for so many years. You've been on the case. You're one of our talking drums that's willing to speak truth to the power. And that's why I think we get along so well. I love you and I appreciate you. Thank
1: you. To Congresswoman Maxine Waters, folks. God, you are our refuge. Send our ancestors to guard our doors. Cast out this virus from our communities and our bodies. Heal, bless, and protect everyone listening and their loved ones. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, it has been made plain.